Hey, everybody, before we get into the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsors. It's a film called Sir John A. and the Curse of the Antiquenched. It's a fun film, and you can get it on Vimeo On Demand right now for only $2.99. Check out curseoftheantiquenched.com. Next up for sponsors, uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to our website at Raiders of the Lost Commentary. Dot com click on the amazon banner it'll take you to amazon if you're buying something and uh, if you buy something it kicks us back a little something something doesn't cost you anything and it supports the podcast and we really appreciate you doing so Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a delorean welcome to the raiders of the lost commentary podcast welcome to jurassic park the unofficial commentary for your favorite get to the chopper and not-so-favorite films. The famous comedian, Arnold Braunschweiger. Starring your hosts, Adam and Matt. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Start your movie in three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, this week on the podcast, I have a recurring guest, very special guest, my good friend Travis Laidlaw. And we're talking about his short film, The Silent Lay Steady. It just got into Telluride, which uh, over the past weekend, uh, Telluride Digital happened. And I think it's still screening now, right, Travis? Uh, it's Well, as we are recording, it's about to screen. But uh, the future us... On Monday, no, I think it's over on Monday. Okay, well, if this episode is releasing on Monday. Yeah, it's, then you it's, missed it. It's past. Uh, you missed it. But uh, we uh, wanted to get. We've been wanting to do a podcast for a while, and uh, I, I know you've been working on this f- film for a long time. So we'll get Too to talk long. about it a bit, and we'll get to talk a bit about uh, Telluride. First, I just want to say a huge congrats on getting into Telluride, man. I think it's a big deal. You and I Thanks, went man. to film school together, and we started making terrible things, and now we make pretty good things. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, uh, I feel like we, we, we started out together, and, and to see you get into Telluride and, and to make great stuff like this, like I got to watch it this afternoon, it, it's great, man. It's a great feeling seeing you go on to do stuff like this. It's awesome. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah, Telluride uh, is one of those ones I've had my eye on um, for a little bit, it looks like such a cool festival. I really wish we could have gone to it. I know, in, uh, beautiful Colorado. Um, but uh, you know, ne- ne- next time, next film, <laughs> we'll I get know. there when all this mess is over. I, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like I- I've gone down that road a bit right now of doing some of the digital online festivals, and you know, it's great to have like the laurels and for people to say they watched it and they liked it at this stuff. But it's like, it's never the same, you know, as going and being there in a theater or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, just playing the festival is great for your, you know, the, the, the resume, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, film festivals are all about the networking, right. Meeting people and, and just hanging out with like-minded filmmakers and, and just growing your, your network basically um so it's a it's a bummer that we can't do it right now but everyone's in the same boat so it is what it is right yeah well there are still some like events that are happening. yeah i know sitches uh, oh god sitches that's how you pronounce it right sitches. I, yeah i know what you're talking about but yeah <laughs> anyways it just happened happen. as well and yeah. i think they had an actual um physical festival i uh, think you're right yeah online they're just you know socially distanced and everything um, it's so that's like cool state to state Obviously it not seems the same. like it, it it's like i know there's some horror conventions that happened too and, and i was talking to some people that uh, had booths there and like they're like yeah like people are still there and some people 
you know, obeying certain protocols and other people not obeying certain things, but yeah. it is sort of odd. I don't know from place to place, but I yeah, I guess it depends on preparation and resources and everything for the festivals as well, right? That's um, just it. Um, who knows? We can get into the festival talk a bit more, but uh, so bring us through a bit about the short and. Uh, oh God. Okay, so as usual with my stuff. Um, I spend way too long making it. So I actually shot this in November of 2018. So we are very quick. We're about a month shy, well, a month and a bit shy of two years since shooting a short film and releasing it, which is absolutely ridiculous. And it drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, it's a huge stressor the whole time, <laughs> but I can't help it. Um, You're notorious and that for this. Yeah. Well, and the part, a lot of the problem, we were talking about this before we started recording, is... I, I tend to bite off too many rolls on it, especially in post-production. Mm. And when you got like a whole film ahead of you and you got to do one thing at a time, it just, it can get overwhelming and you hit periods of like not getting anything done and you don't even want to look at it. And then you get uh, motivated and you get back into it and, you know, and that just goes on and on. And, and then you have COVID hit right in the middle of it. And yeah, <laughs> which should have been something too. like you, you should have got a lot more done. I know I had other things going on that just was there's too many distractions. No, um, that's true. I would have liked to think that too, but it didn't happen. Well, I guess it kind of happened. It did happen there. During... You know what got got it done was uh, getting into the damn festival, and I was like, oh, I need to get this stuff in for this date, so I rushed through the the mix and yeah, we've talked about the, this before too, and like a deadline is the best thing. Yeah, you need them because uh, yeah, I didn't have one. I just knew like oh. You know, I got to finish it soon, and man, months go by really, really easily without you noticing. Yeah, sometimes that's that's very true. I always say like you got to try and if you really are serious about it, you got to do something like one thing on it every day, even if yeah. it's a small thing at the end of the week, at the end of the month. It's those small things add up, and and I'd rather have those ten or twelve small things done than no, nothing. You know, I I get, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, I get over things like my favorite pro part of the process is coming up with ideas. I love just sitting there listening to film music, uh, lying in my bed, sitting at my whiteboard, whatever, just coming up with the next idea. Like this is going to be the one, right? Like, right. um, I can't wait to do this one, this short or finish this feature or, or whatever it is. Um, and I get so pumped about the, that idea. And then as soon as it becomes a reality, it's like, it somehow loses the, uh, Allure, like you don't care about yeah, it as much yeah, anymore. Yeah, maybe, I know what you mean. maybe in, until real progress is made. Like obviously, once I start getting to the end of the post on this and it came together, and you stop looking at all the flaws because you're slowly fixing all the flaws and it's actually becoming something you're proud of. Right. Then, then it comes back to being really excited about it. Um, but I think it's like right when I go into post, I'm really excited because like, whoa, I can't wait to start putting this together. And then you get that first cut together. And you're like, this and is then, dog shit. And, and, and yeah, then you're so, so depressed about it because like this sucks. It's not going to work. And then I think that's where it hits. Then I start sitting there and coming up with new ideas and going, oh, the next one, though. Right. right. I'm going to think about that. I'll fix all the problems of the last one <laughs> on this one. Yeah. No, I, dude, I, I get that a lot. And like, I, I'm like that. And I think there is something to momentum of doing something. Like, I just, like, as you've read this script that I, I sent out to a bunch of friends and colleagues, and I yep. spent like a couple of years on that one, just perfecting, getting everything right. And, and I still don't feel like it's, it's all the way there. 
but just with some sort of like recent stuff that was happening with a horror short of mine, it sort of motivated me to try and think like, oh, could I expand this into a feature? And then like a week and a half later, I had 67 pages, you yeah. know, like, so it's yeah. like, I don't know, there's like a momentum to it, but I, I know what you mean, like I get excited right at that start and then I get excited to start a production and then like, I don't know, year now down the line, like I can still be excited about something and not totally look at something for all its flaws, but it's still hard. Well, I think part of it is uh, you do have to get used to your own process and, and identify your own process and be comfortable with your process. Mm, I've stopped. That's a good point. Beating myself up too much about how long I take because I have been proud of like when I do finish the things. Um, so, yes, I need to be quicker than two years for a short, <laughs> short film. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's other stuff in that time. So I don't look at it as, as like I just spent two years solely working on one short film. There's a lot of other crap going on so um yeah i don't i don't know yeah no so uh, it, it is what it is the silent lay steady it's period piece um so yeah it's my first period piece it's um, kind of fun talk about the challenges of making something like that like uh like okay, what type so of research did you do to make sure everything was period accurate or did you do anything like that or i did yeah i did, I did a, a fair bit of research um so the film the film started as a slightly different idea. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of the same. I mean, from the beginning, it was going to revolve around someone spending the night with a, a deceased person in a, a following a funeral in a, in you know the late 1860s. Uh, so it stayed that um, the general the plot changed a little bit as to the motivations of why they're there. Um, but uh, so right in the beginning, I had to I had to look up uh, uh, a lot of um, funeral ceremony and and I had to actually incorporate that into the script a little bit. I, I, it's, I'm trying to dance around not giving away plot stuff. Um, That's okay. I mean, if people <laughs> like, I feel like at this point, like uh, if you want to dole out some spoilers, I think it's okay. If people want to check it out, yeah, they eventually will be able to check it out, and I'll link it on the podcast. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so just use your like discretion. Cover, covering mirrors uh, back then, so that the, you know, I don't know the exact motivation offhand right now, but it was something about you know letting the dead pass on without being able to see them in mirrors or something like that. So I utilize that. I mean, as you saw, mirrors are kind of a heavy. I, I use them pretty heavily in this from uh, from our lead character using them to see spooky things or uh, just in general in the in the set design. Um, yeah, I thought that was great. I thought it was a a, a neat way to do it and it's always mirrors eh it's always reflections horror yeah well mirrors are inherently creepy right i guess <laughs> just looking into them it depends who's looking into it but <laughs> yeah well i just think like all the way back to whenever i think mirrors have always had a a, a mysterious aspect to them what okay. are you going to see what do you see in your reflection you know is there's, there's a lot of movies made about mirrors True. Yeah. There's a lot of mirror gags. Yeah. So anyways, um, just l things like uh, setting the clocks uh, to the moment of death during the funeral, which, you know, isn't going to be obvious to really anyone. I mean, I, I really ham it up and totally show you the clocks a couple times in the beginning and the end. Um, and I, I remember I showed the film to my dad and he was like, what was the deal with the clocks? You really like wanted us to see that. And I was like, well, it's nothing really that important, but 
that that's what it is. Right. <laughs> just, okay. Um, I wasn't sure. If, I just saw a correlation between times, and I just thought because well, it, it was olden times, and they needed they needed to wind clocks a lot back in the day because they sucked. So yeah. Well, I mean, the way that I edited it, um, I did the whole like you know, the beginning is the end, and the end's the beginning, and it kind of loops around. Like I, I just wanted to sort of tie the beginning to the end a little bit there, just so people know like, oh, okay, that happened at this point in the story. Yeah, I like that. You know what I mean? So that, that really, the, the clock was just that uh, was just to sort of um, tie those together. So okay. You get when, I, when I stuff like that aspect happening. of it, though, and, and I thought that that was executed pretty well. Was that not originally what you had in the script, or? Um, yes and no. I, I did have the scenes generally like that. Um, you know, the end at the beginning, and then the whole body is uh, her going around the house, the, the main character going around the house, doing all the spooky stuff and then coming back to the beginning at the end. But, um, it, it changed slightly. It's, it, I go, th- my, my, uh, my script change, my scripts change, um, in editing quite often. And I really like that about editing. Like I, I love editing. I do a lot of it and I, I totally reform things in editing all the time. Um, and it, that actually scares me to work. I haven't really had anyone else edit my stuff before. I always do it. And I'm a little bit apprehensive about it because uh, I know that how much I utilize the edit process um, mm. to actually sh- shape the story. So I, I wonder if I would always do like a director's cut and go, okay, this is kind of what I'm thinking now here. Go, go. I think I uh, uh, if I can speak to it from my, my experience, I've edited a lot of my own stuff too. And the last thing I did... Uh, I had somebody edit on it too. And, uh, I, I will say like, you'll be surprised at stuff you didn't think of that you like better every now and oh, then. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For and, sure. And I do fresh perspective. Yeah. And I do think that's important sometimes like because we do so much ourselves and, and there's some, so much of a singular vision that, that like at the end of the day, you can say, no, I don't like it and do what you want anyways. But like you might get something you like. Yeah. that you wouldn't have got, uh, you know, in the first place. Yeah, and that could be the start of an awesome relationship with someone if you end up going, wow, I, I like this person's interpretation of what I did on this, and now I trust them, you know, on future stuff. Um, I've had a few... I'm, I'm still just in that stage of being really apprehensive to... Uh, um, and because I'm such a post guy, I like doing it anyways, um, but still apprehensive to, to, <laughs> to give it up because I feel like... There's been a number of occasions, even with this film, where I showed people, some people, really early, really early cuff, cuts. And, like, the, part of that, their feedback was made me feel like absolute garbage, which is expected, I guess, because it was just a shitty first cut. Mm. Um, but they, they couldn't see it, right? Like, I could see where it was going, but of course, and I knew, but I was like, I should still show it because I need feedback. And it was like they said everything that I knew they would say because they can't envision did the, you show what, what, I, what I'm seeing? Did you show non-filmmakers or did you show filmmakers? Filmmakers. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's because like usually when I show like non-filmmaker people I'm, stuff, they just point out all the things that are missing. It's like, well, yeah, like obviously the color's not done, obviously the sound doesn't work, but you know. Yeah, but I think even people who understand all that, it, it can still get to them. Yeah, they still yeah. can't see through it sometimes what do you think this and i'm not saying is. people shit all over it no, <laughs> no i only showed it to like two people but um there was some mm, okay i don't know 
I was uh, like, all right, just F off. I'm going to go finish it myself. And then I just went into a dark hole for a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what do you think the sweet spot is, though, of of a almost good enough done cut to show people, to show sell ideas, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Enough. I don't have enough experience doing it. I am totally, I hang on to my stuff until it is absolutely done and I'm fully confident to show people. And I know I shouldn't do that. Um, I should open up more in the process, but I haven't yet. Uh, yeah. I, I, I still, and I, again, it's a product of doing everything. So I can just, I am just in my own dark hole doing the film. Um, yeah. if I was getting a lot of other people involved in the post process and, and I relinquished control of visual effects and editing and sound and everything, then I would be dealing with all these people and getting their input. And I'm sure it would be a totally different, uh, dynamic but right now it's you know i'm doing the editing i'm doing the sound i'm doing the visual effects i'm i i did the color on this one too uh someone else helped as well did we two of us did the color but yeah, yeah. i finished finished it um so it's just me doing doing a lot doing of the it, stuff eh? yeah i uh i'll tell you like something we did a long time ago case of deceit uh, i remember showing somebody uh, an edited version of something with some of the effects you did but there was no sound and they're like, yeah, I don't know, man. It doesn't seem that exciting. And they kind of had like a downer out output oh, of on. it. Oh, yeah. You're gonna have to cut this part out. Yeah. Hold on one sec. This old ass fucking phone. Yeah, hold you on. have an old phone. What yeah, I do. do. Hold on. It's an old fucking line that has not been disconnected. Uh, it's an old, scary, haunted uh, rotary phone. It's nice. fucking awesome. Sounds great to you. It still rings every once in a while. Um, I'll restart that story. I forget yeah. how I started it. But uh, I was going to say, yeah, like, sorry. All I was going to say is, like, uh, you know, a, a perspective on that. Like, I remember something we worked on a long time ago, Case of Deceit, and it was an edited scene, and you had done all the effects on it. There's like, a bunch of gun gunplay in in the scene and i showed it to somebody and they're like yeah i don't know it doesn't seem that exciting or whatever and then i showed it to him a few weeks later with all the sound effects sort of roughly laid into it and he's like oh wow this is so much better so that's what i i mean i'm like i, I when i asked the question like what do you think is a sweet spot of showing somebody something you know i remember i, I showed you and, and another colleague of ours justin um an early cut of my movie, Sir John A. and the Curse of the Antiquenched. And I think a lot of the animation hadn't been done. And I remember those no, scenes. I don't think any of it was in there. Yeah. There's maybe a few stills. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I f like those scenes really, really drug on and that made it kind of difficult to watch. So I, I don't know, like it, it's difficult to show people unfinished work, you know, because now when people watch the film and they see the animated parts, it's for some people, it's their favorite part. You know, I, I think it's fair to do it. You know, giving them the disclaimer always, which we always do. Yeah. It's always full of disclaimers. Hey, man, here's a link. Here's all the disclaimers as well. Um, but you just have to be uh, aware of or just keep that in mind when you get the feedback and know what feedback to kind of ignore. Yeah. Right. Like, no. okay, I, that is just a product of that not being done. I'm not going to listen to that part or whatever, which is all the time. Just because someone gave you feedback doesn't mean they're right. Right. Like you have to. You have to sort the feedback and decide what you're going to do and what you're not mm. going to, what you're going to ignore, anyways. Mm. No, I, I, I think that that's also valuable too. Like, 
it is difficult because you I've I've done stuff where I, I I didn't show anybody anything and then put it out and then you know somebody points out something that you're just so blind to yeah and then you're like that's oh, a problem freak yeah. like I missed this so, such an obvious thing but yeah you you lose all objectivity when you're especially when you're doing everything right like I, I showed my parents the short they came over and we we watched it and. Um, I asked them a whole bunch of questions afterwards, and it's just like, I don't even know if this is good. I don't know anything anymore because I've seen this so many times, hundreds of times, end to end. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and when I get near the end of, say, um, uh, like sound design, I keep having to, like, I can't just watch. I mean, I'll obviously just watch a little section I'm working on, but I keep having to sort of restart it from the beginning each time almost just to like to get the whole feel like i need to feel it from the beginning to see if this thing is working just I mean, maybe to get not the perspective sound, maybe, maybe not sound design maybe that's still more in editing but just uh, just to feel the pacing i mean this is more for a short i guess the pacing is really important from end to end um yeah I, I don't know anyways yeah you should always collaborate as much as you can <laughs> don't go into a dark hole but if you are one of those people like me that goes into a dark hole whatever don't beat yourself up about it no Good, good advice. I like the last thing, the last short I did, I, I tried to make an effort to have outside opinion and input on a lot of the creative process. And uh, I feel good about it for the most part. There's some stuff I'm, I'm like, I, I, I might have wanted to do this differently, but it was a good experience to go through that experience, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I know what you're saying. So back onto the short. So. Yes. Um, so you do all this research, you know, you try to make it period accurate as much as possible. Yeah. Um, talk about getting a location. I, I know we've talked about it a lot, but, uh, getting an old timey location, you know, it's not easy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, the research, whatever, I just had to look up some basic stuff to write it into the script a little bit and have things in mind for, you know, wardrobe and set. Uh, but I knew, okay. We're not building something. We don't have. Uh, another thing is this: this short was like done for super, super cheap. Um, so you talk about I knew, the budget. Sure. I mean, we. So the company I had with our, uh, a part, our, my business partner at the time. We don't have the company anymore. We we've since closed that uh, production company. But we we had decided we were just going to pay for it. We had a, we had an equipment rental company and a production company. So they, we we used all our own equipment, which was. Good. That was one of the benefits of having our own rental company. Um, so we didn't have to pay for equipment. Uh, and uh, in terms of hard costs, we spent four grand. Uh, we didn't, everyone volunteered on it. So really the money went to um, the location and then like food and, and we rented a couple extra, you know, lenses and things that we didn't have on hand. Uh, and that, and then, you know, wardrobe and, and a few, uh, a few set design things. Um, but that was really it. I mean, it was only $4,000, which is freaking nothing. Um, I'm pretty happy the way it turned out for four grand. But again, it's like, yes, four grand was the hard cost. But, you know, if, how much would you have spent if we paid for all these things? Obviously, a hell of a lot more. But anyways, our hard costs were four grand. Um, yeah. If you think about, like, what the amount of money you would have had to spend to get the gear you had for that, because I know the gear you have or had, that would have been yeah. pretty, that would well, have and, probably and, put you over 10 grand just with that yeah easily easily i would say a st still like a budget um still not paying anybody um 
but paying for all the things uh, if we didn't have access to them ourselves. Yeah, probably like a, a, a 12 or 15 grand. Yeah, yeah. Would have probably been it. And then if we paid everybody and and including post people and everything, like short, the, if you're paying everybody what they deserve um, and paying for all the stuff, I mean, a short is not cheap, man. It's like 30 grand or something. Like, yeah, easily. if you're paying people and yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Unless you just do it all yourself by yourself. Yeah. And then you could spend $800 like I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so anyways. Get your friend um, who has a rental company to give you a deal on the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So location, you asked. Um, So I think that just like my last short, Dead House, I didn't have a script written until I locked location. That's great. I, I, I can't actually remember. I might be confusing it with Dead House a little too much here but I, i'm pretty sure that i had the general idea down and i was like i was apprehensive to even write it because it's like what's the point if i can't get I, I know i need like an old-timey location um and i contacted the uh, up at my cottage there's a pioneer village and i contacted them i knew right away it was like black creek pioneer village in toronto i mean that's like the golden like that would be amazing that's that's the biggest uh, pioneer village probably in I mean, I don't know. I, I who knows? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna say in Canada. I have no friggin' idea. But it's a big one. It's a popular one. It, it's uh, and it looks great. It's the real deal. Uh, but I was like, I, 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 there's no way I'm gonna get that. So I, I knew that there was like a small little tiny pioneer village at my cottage. So I, I contacted them, uh, and then I was like, you know what? This happened with Dead House. I didn't think I would get the location, and then I just friggin' cold called them, and they were super nice, and I got it. So I, I emailed someone i can't remember how i got in touch with black creek pioneer village but i just i contacted them and the guy was like he just was like yeah we can totally uh that's totally fine it's this much and it was way less than i thought i mean i was thinking like okay if i want to shoot a pioneer village for a weekend you know like two days and not even a prep day just saturday and sunday or something i was expecting you know, five grand a day or something yeah. like that, like a typical location fee, maybe even more because it's it's a historical place. And I'm pretty sure the guy was like, 600 a day is fine. Wow. I was like, what? That is nuts. Did they and then require there was like, insurances I, I had, or anything? Or? Yeah, we had we had to do insurance, you know, the, the usual high, like high-end insurance and everything, but we had that through our companies. Um, so yeah, I think location-wise in the end, because we ended up, being there for like two and a half days and we had to get some movers and stuff that worked for them to move some furniture out. Um, I, I, let me, I want to say the, the location was basically two grand. So half of our budget. Wow. Um, in in total. Um, but what you have to remember is this is a historical, like a public place you can visit. There's no production design needed to make it look old. I mean, everything that you see in the short is, I mean, save for candles and, and stuff we put on tables and stuff. All the furniture, everything is just there. Yeah. It's just already set up. Like, we, we literally could just walk in and start shooting, basically. That's which amazing. Which was awesome. That was a really cool That's great. Uh, as- aspect of that shoot. Um, so, again, like, you know what? You may... So, this is a couple times now where I've assumed I would never get a location because I have no money and I can't, you know, pay for this or that. Just reach out to people because you never know what kind of what kind of deals they'll, they'll offer you or 
That's what I, you know, what well, kind of favors? I think outside know? of the major, I don't, I don't think that would happen as much if you tried to get something downtown, Toronto or whatever. No, I've been denied many times and given ridiculous prices for really stupid things. Yeah, obviously, but, but, but like outside of uh, the GTA or outside of any type of major city, and these smaller things, like, I look, I look at it like one, it's just people that run it. And if you get the right person and talk to them, convince them of it, you might get lucky. And then the other thing with that Pioneer Village is it's making no money at night, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no well, one's doing I, night tours. No, not not in that. Uh, we had to shoot a certain weekend because the next, the very next weekend, they were decorating all the places for Christmas. And yeah, we're like, oh, okay. we can't have we can't have garland and everything. But also, they were doing. They Pioneer Village does all sorts of like haunted walks and um, okay, uh, like seancey things, like real, real a lot of a lot of stuff. But I think they were ending because we were in November now, so those things were, had just ended, and Christmas was about to come. So we had to fit into this very specific weekend. And keep in mind, like, so that really low cost to get the location, they had to have people. We we shot through the night, like we started. Um, they're open to the public on Fridays and they close at like six. So we came in at like 6 PM on Friday um, and shot Friday night and Saturday night. Okay. Um, and that's it. So we didn't shoot during the days, uh, but we had the whole pioneer village. I mean, it's dozens and dozens of buildings and we were set up uh, with food and everything and other old creepy buildings. And it, it was really awesome, but they had to have someone there full time, like staying the night with us. Yeah. Eh? Right, so like that that cost, you start breaking it down. It's like, wow, they they didn't make anything for this, really. No, so it was really really on the people that uh, gave us the go ahead. That's great, though. But you know? uh, so so you have like so you let's like you get this location, but like, how do you stop yourself from your brain running wild? Like to have like giant street scenes or like big exterior shots or like I had them. You okay? So the way you stop yourself is. You don't stop yourself and you write it into your script and you go into shooting planning to do those things. And then as things normally do, the shoot starts going to hell um, and you start getting behind schedule on your first shot and you quickly decide we have to cut this out, we have to cut this out and we have to cut, uh. <laughs> cut this, <laughs> this out. Um, so we had, uh, I'm making that sound worse than it is. We had a couple like exterior shots that weren't actually in that location, they were like down the street. We were gonna have to light the whole outside, and we we had to we had to cancel that. But uh, we uh, the whole middle of the film um, was originally gonna be a oneer, really. Like the whole the whole middle, like from when the woman wakes up and walks around and does her whole thing, that was all gonna be one one shot. And I've, we've done this before, where oneers people think they're easy. And they're no. not friggin' easy, man. They are not easy. And you got to practice. You, got, you have to have the whole crew running through that a bunch of times. Um, because anything, I mean, any little thing can throw the whole take off, right? So we were, we were running take after take after take. And we were just screwing up on it too early each time. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, we still have like four minutes after that. We just screwed that part up. And it was like, okay, where can we hide cuts? And, and then we just got too far down the line and we we're like, all right, we are six hours into day one and we haven't technically like, we're nowhere near getting what we need here. Yeah. And I just decided, screw it. Let's just, let's cut the oneer and, uh, just shoot all these out, uh, more traditionally. And I'm so glad we did because in editing, I would have been absolutely screwed because I really cut stuff up and, and change things in editing. 
Um, so it was a blessing in disguise, to be honest. Yeah. I think, and this is just for me shooting a lot, like it's nice to have those like shots where you're like, this is how I saw it in my head. Um, and to budget that in budget time wise, I mean, into the, your shoot, like a Warner or just maybe a dolly or some type of special crane shot, but to also have lots of safety in mind because yeah, yeah. like you said, editing or just time wise, like, and I think also this is like an element of, you know, and I, you and I edit a lot of our stuff or, do a lot of our own post it's knowing on the day in the moment if something will work or won't work later you know yeah that's very helpful for my process is i'm i know that i'm editing it and i'm i'm literally editing in my head while i'm watching the takes and i know pretty much right away what's going to work and what's not so I, I i knew we were in trouble with the oneer and we just hang on to it a little long just to see if we could get it and then it was okay let's pull the plug yeah um, eh? And it's also which is, which is fine because the Warner was I mean it's a spooky uh, atmosphere based little thing right and I just wanted to be really with that character during her whole exploration of the house, um, but looking at it now I'm so so happy we didn't go that route because I got a lot more creepiness out of pushing and pulling some of these other shots and extending things in ways I could not have done if we had a had a wanner yeah so. eh? well i think that's good and also like you have to know when to call something too right like you're just not going to get something like you know like you could have spent all night trying to get that one shot and then that's all you would have got too right yeah so that's also something you got to think about sometimes you know yeah um so yeah so you get pioneer village then you get to write the script after that then you whittle it down um, production, obviously you said you did it over a few nights. Um, and then do you try and start editing it right away? I don't really remember. Like, do you, or do you, uh, yeah, I always have to, I mean, I always like just probably like the, the, the night we wrap, well, maybe not the night, but the next day I'm, I'm, I'm plopping things into the timeline just to see how they feel like a confidence, uh, mm. a little confidence edit, you know, um, just to see how stuff, uh, fits together. I uh, I wonder about that sometimes. I'm like, do I? Is it worth it to look at something right away, or should I wait and then well, look so at it? It's, I think it's a bit of both. So I I put it together just to just to feel good about the shoot. Okay. Um, just to just to feel, and it's not the whole thing. I mean, maybe just a couple of the, a couple scenes or like a, important parts in the film. I'll I'll cut it together, um, just to see how it flows. Uh, but I think on this, I then just uh, effed off for a couple of weeks. I, 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 you need a break I think you need yeah. to come back to it because you're too t you're too close I may, maybe even more than a couple of weeks on this one because I, I do seem to remember really uh, appreciating the time away because when I came back to it um, my critical eye was a lot more focused and I wasn't so stuck up on keeping some of the stuff that I know that I would have been because I remembered how difficult that shot was to shoot or you know that old, that old tale right where yeah, it's like that's oh, important. Like, like kill your darlings right um, exactly I, I was pretty good on this, on this one where I, I was like, no, that's not working. That has to go. Who cares if I like it? Yeah. Eh? And that's difficult sometimes. Right. Cause you're like, I, I do find it's a, a fine balance. Cause like sometimes it's like, oh, that is a cool shot, but it doesn't work, yeah. but it's a cool shot. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I find I go in, in circles on stuff sometimes. I'm like, okay, technically it doesn't work, but I have seen stuff in films 
that it's a cool shot and technically it makes no sense, but it is cool. It's like, (laughs) it's like the ratio. Yeah. It's like the ratio of like when cool outweighs logic, you know, or makes sense. Well, if it distracts the viewer from the story, it's not worth it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a place for, for the cool shot. I mean, it's worth seeing if you can get it in, in some way. I mean, maybe the edit just changes and, you got some weird, uh, I did that in this, the whole intro was a very strange time jumpy thing that I was really liking. Um, I was jumping all over the place. It was a really er- experimental feeling edit the way the my, my first uh, cut was. Okay. Uh, and I ended up thinking, this is friggin' cool, man. This is really neat. This makes me look so uh, deep. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know. Like I was really into it, but it was a little too much. And as I started getting the rest of the film together, I realized like, no, this story is actually taking shape now. And I need to cut back on that weird intro. The intro was too, too strange. And it would, it would have thrown people way off. I think Mm. my intro already throws people off a little, but at least I have the answers later. Um, yeah, but it, it was a little funky. I mean, yeah, look, I think it, it, it all makes sense in the end. And, and I know what you mean about wanting to, stand out in a way and i think with there's another thing with shorts i find and this is back on the festival talk like you do sometimes have to hook people kind of quick you know oh absolutely because i've been in audiences and, and you know if something dumb or silly happens at the start and they're trying to be really pretend like serious but it comes off just pretentious or it doesn't work even if it's a okay it's a ending to get you back yeah, yeah it's a, exactly yeah it's like you might have lost people already so well, and listen when you're in an audience that's one thing you're 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 gonna sit through the whole f- film but once that thing's online people yeah. are bored for 10 seconds they're clicking away clicking sucks, away or clicking through you know yeah that sucks i don't i mean that's just the nature of the world we live in now but yeah that sucks for slow moody things yeah which i'm realizing I think a lot of my stuff is starting to be that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not very I'm not very manic. So it's like I don't know if online is ever going to be my my bag, you know? I think and it's funny because uh, you know, going through the whole trying to make movies and stuff, you, you flip-flop. Do I even bother with this one in festivals? Do I just go online and get it out and get uh people talking about it online and watching it? Uh I think there's a time and place for both. Um but I do think it depends on what your film is, you know, like you see Mm. in festivals, like someone, there'll be like a 23 minute really dramatic short film, right. That could be absolutely fantastic. And in a festival, it freaking works. People sit through it. You watch it because they're a dedicated fan base, but you put a 23 minute, really slow, dramatic thing online. I mean, you'll get dedicated people watching it. You'll get people who, who are into that watching it, but you're not going to pick up those like randos, you know, or even just those, those random friends who follow you that are, look up your stuff, you know, you get four minutes into something that is slow yeah. and they're out, they, they're checking out. Yeah. So there's a time and place for, for, for everything. Yeah. No, yeah. I, there's, I get that. Yeah. And, and platforms matter and, and where it is matter. And yeah, I don't know. There is stuff that I, I find like just mind boggling. Like, uh, I was sent a short a, a while ago and it's like a, I, I was like a 30 minute short and yeah. in all honesty, it, it wasn't very good and there's problems with it. And there's even at even one point you can hear the director, uh, give direction. Like they didn't cut it out of the, out of the short. 
Um, but it's got like 60,000 views. Doesn't that blow your mind sometimes? Yeah. Um, and it's got like award winning and like, yeah, all this stuff, like 85 laurels on it. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. On on the cover. I'm guilty of that. And then you're like, but how, how did that make it through? And then, then like, you know, you make something and your thing will, obviously you're getting into like a pretty big festival and I think that'll open a lot of other doors for you. But like, yeah, like, I don't know what it is. Like, it, it's just somebody knows somebody got it to a, the right place. Yeah, there, there's a lot of chance involved, you know, I mean, especially with like acquisition people or, you know, people you find, you know, they made like one short and then it's like, they're turning something into a feature. I was like, what the hell? How did that happen? Like I've seen, and then you watch it and it's maybe good, but you've seen better and those people who made better didn't get the same opportunity. It's, it's, it's chance, man. Who knows? Right. Like a lot of these, these places have people who work for them that just watch all these sites and look for interesting filmmakers and then pass it up the chain. And some days they see, they come across someone's work and they benefit from it. That that filmmaker benefits from being seen by this person at that instance. Right. Yeah, no, I Um, totally agree. I think it's a hundred percent chance. Yeah, I think you got to work well, I really don't, hard. No, I don't, it's not a hundred percent chance. I mean, you got to have yeah. quality stuff so that when yeah. pe- someone does look at your thing, you got to have quality uh, and you got to be working and you got to be always working at at stuff. But like to get to that point, I still think it is chance. I think you can put yourself in situations to make to give yourself more chances. But right, I mean, I'm not gonna say it's it's one thing or the other, but I'll, I'll agree with that. It's chance is a big part of getting noticed and that's the world we live in right now right it's the same with like the youtube people and everything right like some people have these massive online followings and they're making millions of dollars doing whatever and someone else is doing something that is objectively much better content and they don't have any followers yeah um and it's just a matter of who sees you when and how you get passed on and where you get shared and yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know but 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 like anything like luck or what's the what's the phrase opportunity favors the prepared Mm, or luck, good. Fa- luck favors uh, opportunity favors the prepared yeah maybe so as long as you're prepared when opportunity comes you don't squander it right you, you're able to then it's not just about getting lucky and getting an opportunity because you might not be prepared and then you get an opportunity i, I mean i've heard this from a lot of filmmakers where they've made a short um and they do go to festivals uh and then suddenly they're getting noticed and someone's like what do you got? Like what, what, what's on deck? And they're like, Oh fuck. Like I, I'm not, I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't finish that draft or I don't actually have anything on deck right now. And yeah. Then, um, I think Seth Worley or some, and Ryan Connolly were talking about, um, like the heat, like having heat on you. It's really important to utilize that heat when it's on you because it can dissipate. And as soon as that heat's gone, that opportunity potentially is gone. Yeah. You know, some, someone is, someone sees something you've done and they are, immediately interested like oh shit this guy's got something i want to work with him hey what do you got and and you, you say oh i got this and then you show them a script and then that momentum continues because you got the heat on you at that moment other people are interested but as soon as you're like oh nothing right now but i'm thinking about this and they go okay cool well we're interested like let us know when when you're there and then you wait six months and you write this baby of a script and you go back to them and they're like who was this guy again or oh you did that oh yeah that was kind of neat and the heat's gone yeah. people aren't knocking on your door anymore and that opportunity opportunity has faded, so I think it's important to be prepared for opportunity. And I take that a little too 
that makes me sit back and like go in my dark hole too much and perfect things so that yeah so that I'm like ready right but it's like but then I'm not even allowing myself to get an opportunity because I'm in a dark hole for too long yeah well <laughs> and that's anyways they're in life's problem right so. <laughs> yeah. yeah but such is the life of making art quote unquote yep. or making movies or, or being in this industry right yeah so yeah. it's a lot of no's that's what I've learned it's like yeah you, well you can't be doing it for the career of it you have to be doing it for the the love, the love of it. it. I know yeah. it's cliched as hell, but it, I mean, the longer and the older I get to, the more I realize, like, I'm not going to stop making stuff. Mm. Um, and it, it's either at some point going to... That's a threat. Take <laughs> off or it doesn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. either get it on... And, you know, you only you only fail when you when you quit, really, right? That's... As an, another cliche, so... That's a great quote, too, you know? I think that's great. You only fail when you quit. And you never know. Right. Like you, you could quit, but a week later, someone would have called you about something like you, you just, you don't know. Yeah. So as long as you love making stuff, keep making stuff. I think, yeah, that's what I tell myself anyways. Yeah. I think it's the process you got to love too. Um, I think that's also something I've grown to like a lot more and spend a little bit more time in the moment, liking, liking it and being aware of it. Cause like, there's things I've done that, that that never saw the light of day, but I look back on those memories really fondly now, mm-hmm. you know? And, and yeah. so I, I I try to be more cognizant of it and thinking about that while going through those process processes. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, you know, you might not have some giant thing that you get millions of dollars for, but I don't know. At the end of the day, if you have some good memories, you made some good friendships, and even though maybe not a lot of people saw your stuff, but the people that did see it enjoyed it, I guess that's all that matters, right? Well, listen, I mean, it's, there's something else in there too. It's, yeah, yes, if people who did see it enjoyed it, but you have to remember everything you make, you are getting better. And mm. that's what you're trying to sell is you, right? Yeah. Um, so the more you make, the more, I mean, you could make, you could make 10 films and have literally zero people see it, but on film 11, you're going to be a hell of a lot fucking more prepared than yeah. you were on film one. And and suddenly it might be fantastic and everyone sees it. And in their eyes, it's like, oh, this first time director, you know, or, or maybe at that point, they then look back at your other stuff and you get more discovered. But just because no one saw that early stuff doesn't mean you're not developing as a filmmaker and growing yeah. and, and gaining skills and everything. I mean, I, I am not making stuff as fast as I would like. But again, as I said earlier, this is just my process. I'm whatever. I'm, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but I definitely can make a, a clear list of things I learned on each film and can clearly see I, I, I've gotten better at this. I've gotten better at this. I mean, some things are maybe threads of, of faults throughout as well. But I don't know. As long as you're learning something on each project yeah. and you're getting better in some way, even if it's just organizationally or the way you write or the speed in which you put together a, product, uh, a project, any of those things, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. As long as there's something that is you're, you're taking from each project that's making you a better filmmaker yeah than whatever um, just keep making do you find like i i struggle with this like um it's like you're putting out something now or you're maybe promoting something now but it's a representation of your work two three years ago like you you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean and yeah. Like I'm dealing with this right now and, and, but it's like, Oh, this kind of doesn't represent what I'm doing now or what I would have done or it's 
I don't know. I struggle with that a lot. Like, cause you have to come and be as confident about it as yeah, if I think that's a good thing because it means you are slightly, I get like this all the time. Like I'm always slightly, I don't even want to say embarrassed, but I am so nervous to show people my shit because I see all the damn flaws and everything. Um, but it, it means you're getting better, right? If you look back at your old, yeah. you shouldn't look back at stuff you did 10 years ago and be like, that's the best shit ever because it means you're not growing, right? Well, no. Um, no. I mean, you can be proud of work. You can be proud of it for sure. Um, but I think it's natural to, uh, to to look back and be like, ah, ooh, that's a little dated me or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I'm dealing with that right now. Remember that... Um, so we shot, I was shooting a feature um, to which you helped me on uh, years ago. Oh, uh, yeah, at with my, JD, at my cottage. Yeah. yeah, at my cottage we were shooting like a, a really little tiny like crew of four people thing. We were, I mean, that was by design. We were trying to make something really cheap. Um, and we shot, it was a feature film. Uh, we shot 17 days uh, and probably had realistically, and that was over the course of like a year, probably realistically had another like eight days to go to finish the script nine ten maybe even but it just spanned the whole production started you know it was a year and then it was two years and it was like three years and we still hadn't because we were shooting it in the winter it had to be snow it was that was part of the plot um and as time went on it just i thought i could do the slow production thing where it's like make a film who cares if it takes five years and and then you release it. But it got to the point where, I mean, I, I also like ran out of money on that. I had other things that I wanted to spend money on, um, other projects even. But uh, it got to the point where I was looking at it going, ah, this really doesn't represent my skill sets anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing a lot more holes in it. And I, and I eventually just sort of gave up on it, unfortunately. Um, I've got it's funny, I have the hard drive in front of me right now. I plugged it in the other night because I'm, I'm thinking of just making a um, a trailer out of it or something, like a, a concept trailer, because there's still a lot of really great stuff in there. Not as a feature, though. Okay. Do you know what I mean? What, what we shot, there's a few too many things that I'm not entirely happy with to put together and then continue to shoot for 10 days. Mm. So I think in that project, uh, I'm going to put it together as a bit of a concept edit, like, a, like an extended trailer that... Cause we definitely shot enough to do something really, really cool and show off the cool stuff. Um, and then just have it in my back pocket as here's, here's something, you know, I have the script, here's a concept trailer. Uh, and maybe down the line, I'll get an opportunity to remake this with a budget. Cause it's a cool idea. It's definitely got some cool stuff in it, but that might just like make you feel better in the end. Cause I will say something that I learned is that I need to see stuff through to completion for better or worse. So mm -hmm. even if it turns out to be garbage at the end, I need it to be done because I feel like that's like a, I don't know, a scratch I can't itch. Oh, absolutely. And it, lives, this. And it lives in my head for a long time. And I've, I've learned over time that getting it out is better than not getting it out. Well, yeah, that's, I, that's pretty, that's an obvious one, I think. Easier said than done. Um, the problem with this is it just, it never got finished. So it's like, I'm sitting here for the last couple of years thinking, how do I get this out without finishing it as a feature? So that, that's the the compromise that came 
came to recently with myself that I'm just going to release it as something kind of fun and cool. You know, it'll, it'll look awesome as a trailer cause it'll just be all the highlights. Um, yeah. So, and then I can just treat it as a concept. I'll maybe meet a producer. What else you got? And I go, Oh, there's this other thing. Here's this. Right. And they go, Oh, that was fucking cool. And then it becomes an actual project again. I would love that, you know, and I would love to give, uh, the people who worked on it and the act, like JD, the actor and everything, like an opportunity to actually do a, would you redo it from of scratch? It? Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I wouldn't pick. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't pick up and continue shooting. It's too dated as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know. That would be cool to return to something. And the fact that you still feel okay about it, that, that you'd be willing to redo it. Because I know I've written stuff a long time ago. I'd have ago. to rewrite. I'd have to rewrite this. Yeah, script. okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause the, jet, the bones would stay the same. But okay. I'd have to rewrite it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying this new thing on the podcast. I don't know if you are familiar with it, um, because we are coming up on almost an hour talking about just a, uh, 15 minute short, um, amongst other things. Yeah. Amongst other things. Um, so I've been doing these like set list questions for guests, um, that I've been asking and it's going to expand or contract depending on how it goes. So I'll run you through these questions as well, all right? Yep, shoot. Uh, okay, so uh, there, give me something that was a mystery about the business or the film industry or something like that that you had no idea about but now you know about and then something that's still a mystery to you. Oh, you sounded so Canadian there. A boat. A boat? I'm Canadian too, but I just really heard it. Usually we don't hear it. Uh, oh, God, a mystery to me. Oh, man, give me an example. What have other people answered? Uh, well, I'll tell you, like, f- for me, things that were a mystery, like, before I even went to film school, it was just, like, like the mechanics of the camera and lenses and everything like that that I, now I understand. And something that's still a mystery to me is just how stuff gets funded or wh- why something gets, you know, off the ground and running that doesn't seem to make sense to me why that would pick up like that short that got 50,000 views it's kind of garbage you know yeah well I, I don't know uh, I'm so bad with on the spot questions but I guess I would say um, and this relates back to the location stuff just try everything don't think you're, you could ever get an actor and you, you've dealt with some of this with some of the, the people you got on your, on your last feature um, don't think you're going to get an actor try ask send a script who freaking knows don't think you're going to get a location just ask um Mm. i think too many times you judge yourself and you're judging what you're able to get uh based on how you feel about yourself in that time and how experienced you are um i would definitely say a lot of the times it's just asking it's just luck i mean you you talk to uh filmmakers that uh um producers or whatever who who seem to have got like Maybe you, you see a feature, and this has happened a few times where I'm like, man, that looked like how much money did they have? And then you find out it was hardly any money. And you go, wait, how the hell did they make that with hardly any money? And then you find out, oh, that actor was a friend of a friend, and they just asked them, or this person got sent. Uh, uh, a good example of this, if, if have you seen Colin Levy's um, Skywatch short? Uh, no, but I believe we've did talked I- about it a bit, yeah. Yeah, so he, he did some behind... The, I mean, go check it out. It's The guy's amazing. Um, he uh, he has a whole video he made about how he got Jude Law in it. And he just... 
put a list together and he's like, I need someone in this. How do I do this? Who do I know through six degrees of separation? Right. And he's like, I know this person who knows this person who is uncle, who is a, you know, a niece of Jude Law's sister, you know, something like that. Right. Yeah. And he basically, he went down that chain and things got sent and, and eventually Jude Law got on board and he got Jude Law in his short. It's a fantastic short. And, um, Seth MacFarlane's company just picked it up to develop it into a TV series. That's great. And so look, that's something too. It's like the worst thing that happens is somebody says no. Yeah, that, that would be the lesson. That would be the thing I learned is be totally willing and prepared for lots of no's and eventually there's going to be some yeses. So you might have just keep already asking. answered this one, but uh, some advice for your former self. I know like there's always advice for filmmakers, but what would you have told yourself day one film school, you know? Okay, so this one's going to sound cocky. Yeah. Um, but there's been a few scenarios where I let people talk me out of some things and then in editing or whatever, I'm cursing myself for having let myself being talked out of something that I was, uh, really, really passionate about being in, you know, whether it was a shot or a scene or, or who knows what, something that I compromised, mm. let's say on set with, and then I regretted it afterwards. And uh, Guillermo del Toro talks about this a lot. Um, you know, a lot of times when you're coming up with an idea, you may come up with a, a whole feature that came out of a single image, like a shot. You know, you may think uh, you, you start the ideation process with just a shot in your mind. Ooh, that's cool. And then you start creating this world around that shot. And it just months later, it, it's this whole project. It's a whole thing. And you don't even really maybe remember that it started with this shot. But you know that that's important to you. And then suddenly someone is, is telling you, we got to get rid of this. We got to get rid of this. You got to stick up for the things that are really important because that's the integrity of your vision is, is those things. So I would tell myself to trust my intuition. Obviously there's a caveat there. Like, you know, if, if, if something's going to put us way over budget and over schedule, whatever, like you got to cut it, but, um, don't let yourself be talked out of stuff that you're really passionate about just because someone's telling you to do so. No, I, I think that's great. And I always, uh, I hope I never did that to you, but uh, I I always try to be the person like, yeah, do it, make it happen. How can I help? You know? Yeah. I always, I don't know, at least that's what I try to be. That's what I try to be now. But like, I hate being the person that's like, nah, that's never going to work, you know? Or you shouldn't do that person. Well, you know what? It forces you to analyze. So a good example of this is like, I always try to be as respectful as possible to my ADs because that's like a crazy job and those guys and gals are freaking amazing uh running the show uh but you know they're often looking to keep things on schedule and on and everything like on the day right and it's very easy to be a dick about things and go no i'm the director i want that right like i've never done that but it's it, it i'm sure a lot of people do that like no we're doing this yeah but I like when someone questions me about something, it forces me to then analyze if I actually do need the thing that I'm really passionate about. And then it forces me to answer why we need it, right? And more often than not, if I can give a good answer as to, no, we need this because of this, 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 and it's, it'll be really important to this theme or whatever, they'll go, okay, that's fine. I'll, we'll, we'll figure out another way to catch up. I, I don't know. It just it forces you to answer to yourself why something is important. Yeah. And then... You know, no, I, I think that's that's great advice. And 
and I, I completely agree. So uh, the next one down the way, I know people like to talk a lot about their successes, um, but I'd one, I was wondering if you'd wanted to share with uh, us a uh, failure. <laughs> um, Big failure, little failure, <laughs> embarrassing failure. Well, this is, do I share one that uh, is potentially uh, one maybe for you as well? <laughs> sure, doesn't matter. So this one is a two-parter because it, it it's so funny. I think we both look at this project. So we've, I'm sure we've talked about it a few times when I've been on the, the, the show, but I'm sure you've talked about it. This is the porn with, we with made. other people. <laughs> the porn that you and I made and starred in together. Yeah. Um, no, so A Case of Deceit was the feature, the feature we made Right, right out, out of film, film school. school. Yeah. Um, and there is obviously, I mean, we were, we didn't, I mean, we knew as well as film school students how to make a feature. We, there was a lot of shit we didn't know. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of things to be embarrassed about, but you know what? There's a lot of things like I learned. So I learned more on that project that I have kept with me to this day than anything else I've worked on. And a lot of that is things not to do maybe, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but, but, but that's, you don't learn anything if you're always perfect, right? You only learn from making mistakes. Well, that's just um, it. So there's a lot of things and, and shit, they, they can just be as simple as being naive about certain things or organizationally or um, preparation wise or uh, quality control wise or whatever. I mean, you can, you can, Oh, the list is say, endless with that. The thing. list, the list is endless. But there's a whole I, other show. I literally wouldn't have my my actual career if it wasn't for that. I mean, like I neither I, would I. Yeah. If people like so, I, I mean, I do motion design and VFX stuff uh, for a television company, um, and so like my actual like yes, I'm a filmmaker. But again, it's 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 a hobby thing. I'm not a career filmmaker. Um, so my bread and butter is is design and motion design and visual effects stuff. And that only came out because I was forced to do it on that project, right? Like we thought, yeah. oh yeah, budget, right? What are what about we're gonna hire someone to edit and do all the effects? And then you and I quickly realized, oh shit, we have to do everything. We ran out of all the money we had just shooting this thing. Um Well, that's part of that's true. Yeah. Yes, we well, ran out of the money, but someone was supposed to do something and they didn't do something. Yes, but I mean, effects, I, they weren't going to do the VFX. I think they I remember were, we, yeah. No, no, they weren't. It okay. was just editing. Um, anyways, that what, for whatever reasons, that fell through, and I had to, well, you and I edited, and I had to do the effects. Yeah. And it, it's because of that that I got into doing effects and motion design and everything. I mean, I was yeah. doing a bit of it before that, but. No, yeah. I, so yeah. that's a benefit, you know. Um, it also makes me realize as exciting as the, and friggin' stressful as the premiere, we did a big premiere in an underground theater in Toronto. Yeah, that theater was we so had like, cool. like 300 people. It was a really cool experience. It was. But it was also very stressful because, you know, the thing took us three years to make. So as we said, it was already representative of, at the time of us, three years earlier, right out of film school. Mm -hmm. um, we knew very well all the faults and things in it. And then suddenly showing that to all your friends and family, and I'm talking like 250 people worth, yeah, um, that was really stressful. So one of the things I learned on that was like, make sure you're like, I don't know, we, we did as good as we could do at the time. And I am proud of, of at the time. Um, 
but going forward, it just makes me take stock and like make sure you're 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 not giving up on your creative integrity or quality or whatever as you're making something. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be times where you have to, but yeah, no, look, yeah, that. So it's weird. So it's not really a failure. Um, and technically, it got distribution. We we didn't really make any money on it. No, a little bit, a little bit. No, but I think not technically, not really. The learning um, experience of that, of the distribution angle, um, you know, I've talked about this a few times on the podcast. But the um, DVD deal that we got in Japan, right? The email yeah. I got the one day, like, oh, congratulations, we got this DVD deal in Japan. And it was sold for $5,000 or something like that. But the costs were about just over that. But don't worry, we'll cover you on that. Like, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's that's indicative of the industry. If The Walking Dead isn't making money, there's an issue, right? <laughs> right, yeah. So, <laughs> Wait, I don't we, know. That's, that's a whole other day. Look, we can anyway, do a so, whole deep dive into that movie and, and all that. Yeah. I, there's Honestly, there's parts so, of that of like... I've, I think I've blocked from my memory in some ways of just... Yeah, me too. Of just how... One, there's a lot of it that's embarrassing, uh, for one. And then I think there's a lot of it that's just... Uh, I don't want to say traumatic, but like there was a lot that went on during making oh, that and getting yes. it out. And well, and you, you've lived with it for even longer. Like I remember in film school, we were, we were told that, you know, like a producer will live with a film for seven years on average or something like that. Okay. I, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't believe it, but that is correct. Isn't it? Yeah. I like live, that is correct. Live with you that. Lived, I, I checked time. out at some point and you just when when it was just like random little distribution things. I, I was, I was out. But you 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 uh, you hit that I think I, maybe I lived with it for like five years. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's gone away now. But uh, man, it was one of those things too, like trying to make other stuff, and you're still dealing with the odd thing or whatever. Yeah. I I don't know. I will say like when I look at it as a whole over time and what I got out of it and the gigs and jobs I got because. I made it. I'm like, okay, it's good because of that. Yeah. Um, same, I, same. If I could go back and do it again, I would, I would do it all over I, again too. But so, as a pure, as a film, not taking any of the uh, uh, other benefits that we got out of it, that's the failure, I guess. The film itself is is not yeah. good, but all the other things were good. All the lessons, all the benefits and career things and all, and all that stuff that came after it and all the connections with people and everything, yeah. that was all good. Yeah. But I guess if we're, if the question is just a failure, I guess technically a failure of a film, but I, I feel bad being that harsh on it because we, we worked really hard on it. Yeah. Sure. It didn't turn out, but we worked our asses off for fucking like three years in post or two years in post two, three years in post on that yeah. thing. Weekends in Ottawa and Toronto. Anyways, I think was like, a lot of work. I'm proud of finishing it, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm glad we finished it cause it, it could have been very easily abandoned, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I think the amount of, I think we willed it into existence because really and truly like an action oh, movie a, yeah. with, Everything it's a, the locations, yeah. It's, it's a duct taped film. Definitely, it, it's amazing that it has a beginning, middle, and end, and and, and is a film, even <laughs> if it's only a seventy-one minute film. With like about I remember, I remember, twenty-five I remember minutes together of the, aerial footage to make it that long. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh God! I still to this that's day, a, friends of mine, podcast. friends of mine, make fun of me for like 
the amount of aerials in the, <laughs> yeah, the stock like, footage of Texas. They'll, they'll watch cuts of stuff now. They're like, do you think like a good two minute aerial would work well in this cut? Or that's funny. Yeah. So. Um, All right. So, so that was that long-winded answer. That was a good long-winded answer for. Uh, I think one day I will cover it on on the podcast. I don't know if I'm ready to go. Well, I think you should wait, um, and you, me, and Justin should do that one. Yeah, I do. I will say, like, before COVID hit, I I did have plans. I, I thought it would be nice to get together with everyone. And like, Adam says, sorry for making you do this movie a long time ago. Sort of party, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that. Me and Justin have talked fondly about that uh, for years. So that'll be fun. Just like a reunion, because it is a lot of the people we went to school with. And I will say, like. I still have relationships with a lot of those people. I have a poster on my wall, like, uh, to this day. And, like, I, I put Michael Hannigan in a lot of the stuff I've done. And, and you know, yeah. he's been a good support. And, like, you were saying you put JD in that feature. Oh, I've used, well, in the music video you, thing. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Use it in, in, a, yep. in a music video. And, and so, like, you know, it is one of those things. Like, we, we built relationships with, with that movie. And, and I think there is a lot of... For me, like the the best memories come from the stuff that has nothing to do with the movie. It's like the onset stuff, and you and I like doing all the all nighters and all that. So uh, yeah. I think it would be fun to get to get together with everybody. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that on another one. Yeah. Um, so what's up next for you? Obviously, I tell you ride, and that's obviously great. But uh, what's what's up next? Okay. So yeah, I mean, so. Telluride is the first festival, so obviously it'll be, a, you know, probably about a... I just missed the goddamn Halloween festival circuits, I mean, other than Telluride. Yeah. Uh, so, unfortunately, it's going to be like a year-long festival circuit once I, until I come back around to this time next year. That's all right. I'm going, coming up on um, two or three years. But the film's done, so whatever. That's, that's sort of an autopilot thing. Um, I am writing a contained feature right now that I briefly told you about um, that I want to get done as soon as I can so that I have that. Um, and I want to start talking to a, a producer that I know, you know, just start getting a dialogue going about it maybe. Cool. Um, uh, but that, you know, I, I haven't even written the first draft. I'm still plotting it out on my whiteboard behind me. So that's, I'm writing that feature. Uh, and I'm think I'm putting together the next short. I mean, there's always like 20 different shorts and they're yeah. always jumping over each other for what's going to be next. But, uh, I think, um, I think it's going to be more of a sci-fi, uh, thing. Ooh. I don't even want to uh, kind of time travel which you know, I love. And I know <laughs> a lot of my future ideas are revolving time travel. Uh, but yeah, I just want to, I don't want to do another, I have a bunch of horrors I want to do. Um, but I think just as I put together my, you know, portfolio of stuff. I think I should get a, uh, a sci-fi thing in there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, to to flex that muscle a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I share that sentiment about like, I I wonder like, like, Oh, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into something or or another. And then, or like, I worry about, Oh, my last one was this, what should my next one be? But I think like over time, if you have like, okay, you can do a comedy, you can do a horror and like I just tried to do a family film, at least you have those so that if something does come up, you can be like, well, I did do this and, you know. Yeah. So. Well, it's also a, a, an opportunity to see if you even 
have the chops for it or even like it, right? Yeah. Um, when I when I did Dead House, the last short, I kind of came out of that thinking, hmm, maybe I'm not. Uh, I mean, I like Dead House, uh, but it, it just it didn't hit for me. Uh, didn't really have much of a story. Like it looked good and whatever, but it wasn't actually really scary. I'd have to say. See, I'm already beat. I'm already taking the shit out of my own stuff now. Um, yeah. <laughs> looking back at it, but anyways, I came out of that project thinking, huh, I don't know. Yeah. And I and I said at that time too, I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna do a sci-fi next. And then this opportunity to do silence, silently steady came up. And coming out of this, now I'm like, oh, I, I flexed the muscles a little bit more, and I got more into it. So I definitely love horror. My dream projects are horror sci-fi combinations. That's where I'm trying to go. Yeah. So. I want to do something that's more sci-fi next, and then the because the feature ideas that I'm doing are kind of combination sci-fi horrors. Right. So that's my my dream genre is that that uh, that chimera. There you go. Uh, well, that's great, man. And again, I just want to say a big congratulations that uh, you got into Telluride, and we've come a long way since Case of Deceit, and it's good to see. <laughs> I will say, like it does, it does make me feel better to know that we've progressed and seeing you get into something like that i am like okay cool like it wasn't just a big waste of time for us to do these things a long time ago so uh well, it, it does I make me feel it. better and it does make me feel good uh, <laughs> when i when i see stuff like that so it's great oh thank you for the kind words hopefully it's uh one of many that's right festivals just the beginning but yeah but enjoy it it's it'll it's great man Game over, man. Game over. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lost Commentary, on Instagram at Raiders of the Lost Commentary, and like us on Facebook. I'll be back.